Hi, everyone. Welcome to Completely Beatles. My name is David Dedrick from the Sneaky Dragon Podcast. I'm Ian Boothby. I am from the Sneaky Dragon Podcast. Hey, that's a coincidence. I it never is see kind of, you around that. That's uh, kind of strange, yeah. Oh. Like, yeah. Because you always wear the uh, blindfolds. That's true. Um, it so is kind of an eyes wide shut thing. It is very much so. Unlike this one. Yes. All right. The Illuminati. Um, we are, uh, this week, we're going to cover two singles and an album. We're going to be doing their uh, second album with the Beatles, which was... Uh, issued in 1963, actually the same year as Please Please Me was issued. And we'll also be doing two singles, so we might as well start with the singles, because they came before the album. Okay. As a tribute to John Lennon uh, and his performance in the last album, yes. which is Please Please Me, mm-hmm. I have got a throat lozenge in my mouth okay. right now. Yes. Much like, he, much like he did. He was full of zoobs and warm milk, apparently. <laughs> zoobs being some sort of co- cough... Uh, cough lodgings. Now, why, now, why are these songs that we're doing right now, these singles, why were they not uh, released on the album? Well, it's a strange... Okay, so what happened, it was actually kind of outside of the beat. It was George Martin and Brian Epstein decided on a, a campaign or a plan of how they're going to release the albums, which was to do uh, have a new Beatles single every three months and two albums every year. That was, that was their plan. So the Beatles had to have... So now the Beatles themselves felt that it was cheap to or cheating to have a single on an album because if you have to buy the album to get the single or if you've already bought the single and you buy the album you're not you're getting kind of ripped off so it wouldn't be uh as they do now where the single drives the album yes or as they did when i used to be buying albums Mm -hmm. one good single and then a whole bunch of direct yeah 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 in those days it was the same in those days like most cases it was a single that drove the album when the beach boys made made their albums and they were the first Beach Boys album, Surf and Safari, came out about three months before the first uh, Beatles album. Uh, and so on those ones, yeah, it's got Surf and Safari on it. It's got um, their other song that was popular. I don't can't remember all the songs that are on there. But, you know, it had their their particular hits at that time. And each album after that. There was that, uh, Surfing Duck Hunt. Surfing Duck Hunt. That's <laughs> right. Surfing, yes, Surfing War Campaign. And surfing had, uh, Ice Fishing Hole. Mm, that was a good song. Come on now, it's a surfer, nice fishing hole. Come on. And so that, that was an American model. And so the British model is a little different because the British market, for one thing, albums were incredibly expensive in those days. Like in, at that time, an album was equivalent for us to pay about $20 per, per album. That's what you were as a teenager saving up and spending the equivalent of $20 towards a record. Okay. That's a lot of money. That is. And so singles were the thing to buy in those days. Like you didn't buy as many albums as you bought singles. Singles were way more important than they than than albums. And then another thing that was also important was EPs. So a lot of these albums were actually divided up into EPs by by Parlophone. So you have a song we'll be talking about in a bit, like All My Loving, which was never a single, but is a fantastic song, and it should have been a single, but it wasn't. But it was very popular as a track that was played off the album on radio. So uh, Parlophone issued an EP with with four different songs from With the Beatles on it. Now, uh, called All My Love. In All later days, did they believe the same thing and, and release singles separate from albums? Oh, yeah. Hey Jude was not on an album. Lady wow, Madonna was okay. not on an album. Uh, Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane, not on an album. Wow, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So there's quite a few songs that, like, if you look at the past masters, what, when they reissue, when they did the reissue campaign in the 1980s, what they did was they, they restored all the albums to their British, uh, their state of Britishness. Because the American ones... <laughs> Made them a lot more uptight. Well, the Americans, they only had 12 songs per album. British albums were 14. So they would drop songs from the albums, and they right. would also include the singles on them. Okay. And what they did then was they created more albums by pairing songs from from albums. And they did that all the way up to, to Revolver, 
Revolver was the last album that was like, you know, destroyed by by having songs plucked off it. And it is a weird one to listen to the American version because it's mostly missing John Lennon songs. So it's a very Paul McCartney heavy album that you'll hear. And same with Rubber Soul. Rubber Soul is a very folky sounding album as an American album because it's missing Drive My Car and Nowhere Man and some of the more guitar-y songs. Okay, that's some interesting stuff to get to uh, when we get to when those albums. When we get albums. to those albums, yeah. yeah neat. All right, so, so we're starting with the, yeah. uh, the uh, I was going to say the missing single, singles, but of course they're not. They're they not. were well played. Well, they just, were well loved. I'll just finish just by own, saying, you, so when go they, ahead, finish up. When they did, when they restored the albums to their British state, because then the singles disappeared, like the, the non-album singles disappeared from the albums, mm -hmm. they issued them as past masters. There was volume one and volume two. And so those collect all the singles that were never on albums. So it has She Loves You, I Want to Hold Your Hand, uh, Ticket to Ride, no, you know, all the songs that, that were never, not wow. Ticket to Ride, sorry, I mean, I Feel Fine. I Feel Fine. And, uh, and We Can Work It Out, all those songs that uh, we'll get to. We'll get to those okay. in their in their place. I'm looking forward to these future podcasts. I hope I'm allowed <laughs> to return for them. No. All right. Well, that was an awkward way to find out I'm getting fired. <laughs> Let's just have an awkward uh, podcast and uh, yeah. leave as friends. It's com completely passive aggressive. That's okay. what we're changing. So we're name. starting now with From Me to You. That was, yeah, that was their third single. And their first single to not be in an album because of the hastiness of Please Please Me, which is basically Rush released, Rush recorded and Rush released. Please Please Me and Love Me Do were both featured on that, even though their singles are featured on the album. That w wouldn't happen again for the Beatles. Mm -hmm. They wanted to have these standalone songs. So, yeah, For Me to You, uh, backed with Thank You, Girl, and it was released on the 11th of April in 1963. Now, this uses uh, the uh, the Beatles' uh, greatest weapon. Uh, yes. Is the, the personal song. Well, it's the per one, the personal song. Mm -hmm. Like, it does a couple of the Beatles' tricks. One, it is the personal song. Like, it's, it's again, it's one of those uh, listen, do you want to know a secret kind of, kind of things, right? Where it's like, this is just this is just from me to you. Like, all these other girls are screaming. Yeah, yeah. But, baby, this is just from me mm -hmm. to you. But, but they do the woo. They do that one. Yeah. They do the little Richard ooh. Well, because they... Because they did it on Please Please Me, right? Mm -hmm. So all their songs, they they will consolidate their style to each song. Yeah. So, so this almost feels like a trick. This almost feels like something where you just lure them in and give them the that little goose, and you can just you can just hear the girls a screaming when well, that happens. What's funny is most people disregard this song. It's almost kind of, it is sort of a forgotten single. It's funny that you called it the the missed single because because it comes after Please Please Me, and then it precedes She Loves You. It kind of gets missed, but right. actually it was on the charts longer than any other uh, Beatles single except for Hello, Goodbye. Oh, I can see how... And, let, and uh, Get Back. This one isn't as spectacular a song as the others, but as you say, the personal songs are the ones that the fans mm. really uh, hook on to. Like, this is the one, if you're a Beatles no, it's fan... It's still a spectacular this song. This is the one that you want. Now, this is Paul uh, singing this one, would you it's say? It's a 50-50. 50-50? Yeah. Uh, At this is, time, the... Well, to say at this time, Lennon and McCartney were basically writing a lot of their songs together, okay. particularly their hits, because that was the formula. Right, and they're being pushed by George. But who's Martin. the vocalist on this one? Um, I think it's John. Okay. Yeah. Then uh, I think this is the one where if you're a fan, you want John to be singing this one directly to you. Like this one is a yeah. real come close. Mm -hmm. And then you got you got this line here, which is like, I've got uh, lips that long to kiss you yeah. and keep you satisfied. Yeah. Like first of all, he goes, I got arms that long to hold you, keep you by my side, lips that long to kiss you, keep you satisfied. Okay. Now, if you're if you're a girl who's mm -hmm. who's for the Beatles, that is you're already there. And then and then they goose it at the end with they throw in the it's not necessary but the woo yeah. and it's like ah oh, well yeah. there you go. There you go. They're done. Well, they, they, there's no defense for that if you're a girl at that time. Once they well, yeah, once they hit on a formula, they weren't they weren't immune to repeating it over and over. Oh, again. and we will probably get to that <laughs> over other songs. What's cuz you know, it has a harmonica which 
it was uh, was supposed to have start with a guitar solo. Mm-hmm. That's what they wanted to start it with. But George Martin insisted that it be harmonica because the last two singles had the harmonica in them. So this one should have the harmonica. The same way that the last single had the woo, this one should have the woo. Now, what uh, did they sort of bring uh, harmonicas into rock and roll, or was that no, a no, common it, it was instrument? Already, yeah, no, it was already being played. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like I was saying, there was a there was different, uh, but it was. You know, the, oh, the Beatles are interesting. I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Maybe I'll forget about it. The Beatles it. are interesting, which is why we're doing this No, I was just going to say, because, because they're not just... Like, there's lots of groups that came out around that time that were influenced by Elvis Presley or influenced by Carl Perkins and, and liked rockabilly and played a real rock and roll sound. Right. But the Beatles weren't just that. You know, they had they loved girl groups. So they cover Please Mr. Postman and yeah. The Devil in Her Heart and stuff as we'll hear with the Beatles. And then they also liked Motown. So they, they had like this very smooth, you know, the Smokey Robinson, the Miracles. So they had that element to them as well. Well, they were a good harmonizing band. So if you want to be a good mm-hmm. harmonizing band, who's got good harmonies? Girl groups. Mm-hmm. So you want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you end up singing a song I, called Boys. I think it's that, but I also think it's that, that, um, that element of, um, cause those songs have a real sense of, uh, vulnerability to them. And I think that appealed to the Beatles. Right. You know, as artists, you know, that kind of vulnerable element, which you don't get in that kind of R&B, you know, heavy, you know, where guys playing rock, rockabilly kind of sound. And then also they uh, also like show tunes. And I mean, Paul McCartney gets hard with the brush for, you know, singing uh, Taste of Honey and Till There Was You and stuff like that. But John Lennon also liked that, too. He, he was influenced. His mom sang to him a lot of those songs, and, and he took that into himself, too. Well, he might have been more contradictory about it than Paul McCartney. You but, don't do the wide variety of stuff that they did later on if you mm-hmm. only have limited interests. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it, yeah. it all it all uh, develops later. But, yeah, yeah, definitely, you can see them using some of the uh, bag of tricks yes. in this one. It's like, yes. we know we know how to do this one. So, uh, so anything what, else on that one? Well, I just, it's, uh, just so people know that it was based on the enemy, New Musical Express, one of the music magazines at that time. There were two big ones, Melody Maker and New Musical Express. It was based on their letters page, which was called From, From You to Us. Huh. So they took that and they, and they wrote it. And the thing is, is that, you know, cause George Martin was really hounding them for hits. So they wrote the song on tour while they were touring with Helen Shapiro, who they wrote Misery for, mm-hmm. on Please Please Me. Um, then they recorded it five days after it was, uh, composed. That's one one of its drawbacks is it does have a kind of a hasty arrangement. It sounds like they didn't hadn't worked it out completely. Yeah, yet, okay, but, I can uh, see that. Yeah. So, thank you, girl, which is the B side. We can talk a little bit about it because actually it was supposed to be the, the the third single, but when they wrote uh, "From Me to You," that became the obvious one. And so that was another once again another fifty fifty collaboration. And what's yeah. interesting with the fifty fifty collaborations is if you listen to the song, you can hear them developing it together. So you'll hear one of them pitch a line to the to one. And he'll throw back another line to the other. So you'll get, so it's, it's often, you know, so you'll hear the couplets as they form, as they form, you know, as they go back and forth. And then also the element of surprise they keep trying to bring into it. So you'll have those weird sudden swoops to falsetto mm-hmm. that they put in there just to impress the other one, you know, just to kind of, isn't this neat? Let's do this. And what's interesting about the way the, the Beatles wrote was they, they weren't schooled musicians, so they didn't know about chord progressions and things like that. They didn't know that, you know, C minor should follow blah, 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 or should go to this, you know, that you have to have a root here and that, you know what I mean? They didn't write that way. Right. What they did was they wrote, they just let their fingers move around the guitar until they hit an interesting thing and they go, oh, that sounds neat. Go back and do that. Let's, okay, let's build on this. That sounds really cool. You know, and once it they- It feels like they wrote as fans, like the, as fans of that type of music. Sure, that's yeah. a part of it. But once they learned their guitars really well, then they moved on to writing on piano because they didn't know the piano. So they could have accidents while they're working on the piano and find these accidental shapes that, that really 
sounded great and could be played. No, I really, I really like that idea that uh, you want mistakes, you want risk. Mm-hmm. Like when I heard this song, this this to me felt like um, this felt like one of those Octopus's Garden songs. Like as in, this is this is one of those songs that you go like, oh, this one's for the kids. Like mm-hmm. like there's certain songs yeah. that they're singing about, uh, you know, uh, the uh, you're tearing my heart out because you're leaving, and now please come back, oh baby, come back. That kind of stuff. But this song just feels like a song like a six-year-old girl could dig. Yeah. Like your sister's listening to some of your Beatles songs and she's not liking them. This one just feels safe and and light and it's boppy and it works. Yeah. Uh, but like it could easily to me be like a song for very, very young uh, <laughs> uh, people who like the Beatles. Well, and that would have been, the, that would have been part of their audience, especially their, the singles audience. And uh, if you listen to the song, the middle eight sounds an awful lot like Please Please Me. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes listen. sense. So the next single... Is a major development for them, though, and I think one of the interesting things about listening to these songs is how rapid the development was of of the band. When you go from something that I think is a fairly dull song, like Love Me Do, which we like in retrospect because it's the Beatles, but if you just heard that song as a standalone song by a band that never went on, say they never got rid of Pete Best and didn't bring in Ringo and they just kind of stalled because of infighting or whatever what might have happened, um, if you just heard that one song, you'd be like, that's okay, but, you know, okay, it's all right. It's not like she loves you. Like when you hear she loves you, you go, oh, I get why, you know, this band was, became so popular. You can't ignore you know? this song. Yeah, this one is just. You could, you could ignore the song because it was still ignored in the States. It was not, was not, Capital once again said, nope, not good okay. enough. Okay, you can ignore it if you don't hear it. <laughs> but like this song comes out fighting. This song comes out, bam, pow, here we go. This the, song is just full on, yeah, yeah here well, we are. That's they the thing. throw it everything starts, into it. It starts with the chorus. So yeah, it was. So when, yeah, it starts with a chorus, and that's when, an unusual thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, when the Beatles played their songs for George Martin, he would sit on a stool, and they would stand with their guitars, with their acoustic guitars, and just play the song for him. This is what we're going to do. And they play the song for him. And he would suggest things. So one, one of his suggestions was, let's start with the chorus. Yeah. Let's go right into the, the song. The chorus is usually the best part of a song. So why not? It's a, Not only that, but this song has a real story. Mm-hmm. Like Unlike the other songs, which are obviously just a bunch of words thrown together, <laughs> you know, just... Words that would be pleasing to people to hear are just placeholder words. The Beatles didn't really think that much about lyrics that often when they wrote. But this song has a real story. Right. And it has such a story that they even kind of get rid of the middle eight in the song just to kind of put in a bridge that gets you on to, to the rest of this with the story. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic on this one because almost all their other songs are, I want to tell you something, girl, and let me tell you something, girl. Mm-hmm. Or it's, I'm so sad and lonely. Yeah. I'm having a bad time. Yeah. This is the only song that's talking to a third person. Yeah. It's saying like, listen, let me tell you something. Uh, you should be with this girl. You should forgive her. You you know what? You don't, you don't think you're happy? You should yeah. be happy. In fact, this is a good song for the Beatles to sing to the Beatles singing every other song because all the other songs are I'm miserable I don't know I'm not sure I don't want and this song is almost them telling their other selves in in their upcoming album shut up you know uh, be be glad with what you got they were writing in the idiom and the the idiom of pop songwriting is either you're really happy or you're really sad but I can't think of any other songs where they're giving you advice advice to another person Mm -hmm. it was Paul Paul McCartney's idea to break away from and I think it's very daring of them to break away from a winning formula of singing directly to the audience to change that and you know turn the song into this story song that uh, about talking to someone and has a you know you know she loves you and yeah and it's so, also good though for da- like I, I'm I'm just picturing like how people are listening to it they've been listening to it and they may be dancing and uh, and the person listening to it is hearing you're with the right person yeah you should uh, they might have done something wrong but forgive them uh, be happy with wh- what you got and uh, and just and just be good to each other be glad be glad be glad here's something else that's interesting about the song it's no harmonica. 
Okay. So it's a single without a harmonica. So they broke away from that pattern as they well. They did still use their old trick of the woo. Yeah. They throw one of but those they in. Brought something else in too that What's was that? new. Was the yeah yeah yes. Mm-hmm. And fa- which made and them so. We will see that later on in a, this episode a lot because yeah. It, made, it actually made them – that's what – in Europe, they were called the yeah yes. That's what they were known as in Europe okay. because of that. And there's a story of Norman Smith who was the sound engineer on, at Abbey Road working with the Beatles, working with George Martin. And he was setting up the mics and stuff and he looked at the stand and he saw the music there and it was, she loves you, yeah, 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 yeah. She loves you, yeah, 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 yeah. She loves you, yeah, yeah. He's just like, this song is going to stink. Like, I'm not going to like this song at all. And they started playing it and he's just like, okay, I'm wrong. This song was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. But if you just look at it, it's well, kind of that horrible thing that uh, Steve Allen would do, which was to read a, a pop song in this really condescending way without any of the feeling of the song. Just read the, the lyrics. You take the heart out of it. Yeah, yeah you yeah. take the heart out of it and you just read it like it's just a letter. Well, I mean, you could actually, if you read this the first time, you could go, she loves you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She loves you, blah, blah, blah. She loves you, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's, it's enough. But, you know, it does work for me in that, in that, you know, you could put other words in there because mm-hmm. you, Frankly, we can't just have uh, that sh- she loves you as like, you know, a, uh, that's not enough. You got to put more stuff in there. But you know what? You don't need any more. So yeah, 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 works. It works just fine. Yeah. You know, it fill- it fills in the amount of space we need to be singing, but it just gets a damn point across. Yeah, this one this one does not have any fat to it. This one no, to me is, is no messing around, no diddling around. Yeah. We're just like right to it. Let me tell you something right off the gate. <laughs> she loves you. Yeah. We're not telling you you're a couple and maybe you've got problems. No, boom. She yeah. loves you, yeah, but I, I've i got problems with her. Forget them. Yeah. Forget those problems. You don't need – she forgive no, her, it's, love it's a, her. It's a, good, it's a good idea for Ringo. And the other thing is is Ringo's drumming in that part of it with the – you know, she yeah. loves you. Yeah, just get – oh, wow, let's go. Yeah, you can't not pay attention and to them. this is when you really um, – uh, well, there's interesting things because, you know, the Beatles – or the John and, Paul, and John and Paul wrote it. You know, once again, it's probably a 50-50 collaboration. They wrote it in a hotel room after a, after playing a, a concert, after a gig. Right. They wrote it together. And they brought it in. And they actually brought it into the studio. They didn't really have it much developed. So it was actually one of the first songs that were developed in the studio. They hadn't been playing it live very much or at all. So they just brought it right in and they work, worked it out there. And so, you know, you can really hear what, you know, all all the Beatles brought to the, to the music, not just what John and Paul wrote, but, you know, you have George adding in the... um that uh, little seven note, little seven note riff that um, repeats through the song, and then also the arpeggiated guitar parts. If you heard the song, I could point them out to you. Okay. And then, um, and then Ringo just doing those those classic fills, and then also that's when he started doing that really splashy symbols, writing the symbols during the song, which is there's a classic Ringo during Beatlemania. Like you watch him at Sullivan show, he hardly plays the drums at all. It seems like he's all, all he does is smash the cymbals through most song. But it gave you that really sense of or this great sense of excitement because it's just this weird crashing noise through the whole song, you know, and it's just fantastic. Everyone, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. So you begin to, you begin to understand not just what Martin brought to the song by arranging it in a particular way, but what, you know, what the other Beatles, when when they started working together, they just cohered as this fantastic unit and just, you know, made these super special songs. Yeah, they're, they're all on it on that one. That's, uh, that is a great song. No argument. But also a great song is the second song. I think I'll Get You is, 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 a great song. Now as well. I'm going to say I got a suspicion that John wrote this one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you know why I'm guessing that? Because mm-hmm. there's a very familiar uh, lyric in here. Okay. Which is uh, it kind of starts with "Imagine I'm in love with you. It's easy because I know. <laughs> you know, because I'm I'm imagining there's no heaven. It's easy if I try. <laughs> you know, and that's. Uh, 
Could be. That we'll revisit we'll revisit that a little later on, it's I a, guess. It's a bit of a jokey song. Like it's sung in a very, you know, that oh yeah. They they have a they really kind of play up their accents. Yeah. But they repeat the yeah motif, which was intentional, of course, because they knew they had something with she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they immediately started to add those yeahs into songs. This is a good this is a good song. Uh, it's also a good uh this was the B the B side. It was the B side. It was recorded very quickly after right. the Right. And what she you want you. with your B side is, of course, you don't want to overpower your A's. That's right. Side. Okay. This is your cool down song. Depends. You've had your workout with that song. Now let's just cool it down. You don't want it to be a dud, but you don't want yeah. it to be as spectacular. And you this don't, one oh, had, yeah. This one has just enough. You're right and you're wrong because then you get later to albums where it's, you know, Starby Fields backed with Penny Lane or okay. vice versa. I'm just talking about this specific or one. how about we'll Hey Jude? Do you know what the B-side for Hey Jude was? No. Revolution. All right. Well, yeah, we'll you get know, to so, them. We'll, yeah, we'll get, get to, to those them. when we get to those. Uh, yeah, yeah. And again, the the old uh, the old filler words, you know, using, uh, you know, I'm never, 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 never blue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it works in the song. It, hey, it I'm not saying it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You can you can, you can can have a, You can have a song that's like, hey, 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 you. And that's fine, you know, but, uh, but just saying, they, they, they're doing some tricks and the <laughs> tricks aren't bad tricks. So I guess we should get to our next album. All right. We're putting away the singles, everybody. Putting away the singles. All right. I'm also going to put away that thing that we put in the middle of the singles to make them work on the 45 player. Yes. What is that thing called? It has a name. I don't know. What Very it is. good. It is called that thing that makes the 45 work. When I was a kid, we had a turntable at home that had a long, tall, like pillar and it would automatically release the sing- each single. You could put a stack on it. And so then you'd start playing it, and it would just put each record down as it finished. Oh, man. Onto the top of the other record. And then someone's it would a fancy man. All right. That's nice. fine. Our high fidelity. Our high fidelity. Oh, really? We had medium fidelity. Yeah, see, that was your problem. We were very poor. That was your problem. So second second album with the Beatles. Um, it's, it sounds like you're not even saying the name of the album. That's confusing. With, with the, the Beatles. Beatles. I know. Doesn't that know. sound weird? I always want to say Meet the Beatles, though, because that's I always remember the American yes, version. Yes, that's what I think as yeah, well. And Meet the, the Beatles version. makes more sense as a thing. But, of course, we've already met no, the no, Beatles. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. We've already met them. Yeah, but it's with the Beatles, right? That makes more sense if you're a girl or a guy who really likes the Beatles. But when you're, you're asking, them. do you have, if you're asking, once again, the last album was Please Please Me, where you have to go, Please Please Me, Please. Yeah. Now you have to go, do you have that new album with the Beatles? What's it called? <laughs> it's the, it's with the Beatles. I understand that. But what's it, uh, why is every one of these, uh, who's on first? You know what I forgot to tell you last, last show is that. Uh, what, what album do you want? Help. Oh, okay. What do you The, the uh, title for Please Please Me, uh, George Martin wanted to call it Off the Beatle Track. Wow, did he? Yeah. And uh, and they he all said... Mind. He yeah, changed his mind. good. That is he good. Did, he did do a collection of otherwise instrumentals we w- called that. Otherwise, if he had done that, we would be doing a Rolling Stones podcast right now. <laughs> it's possible. All right. But so we're doing... British people like their puns. They, do they, they like their puns once, maybe twice, mm-hmm. and it gets less fun with time. <laughs> all right. So it's with the Beatles. Yes. All right. Disagree with that title, but what are you going to do? So Kimoto, Kimoto, November 22nd, 1963. Uh, and so oh, we didn't say When She Loves You came out. Let me just look and see. All right. August. August 23rd. So, yeah, they're kind of following. Those of you writing that down at home? Yes. You can now do that. Please write it down. So, first uh, first track. You put your album on. (laughs) And you go, here's what you say. Uh, Now, now, how long has it been since the last Beatles album has uh, come out? About six months. Well, that's not a long time. So uh, so you're asking, so you get your please, please me. It's not like you're, nowadays where it's two years between albums. But here's what I'm saying. You get your please, please me, mm-hmm. and you ask your record dealer, when's that new album coming out? Yeah. And he will say to you, 
it won't be long. <laughs> and we are in. So, well, let's just talk a little bit about the album itself. Oh, just sure. Before so we get going the, there. We're doing the big, this is how you do an essay because in school. You got to do your, you got to do your uh, big statement and then we're going to break it all down. Well, I just think it's worth mentioning with, because the, the album itself, once again, a beautiful cover, uh, photographed by Robert Freeman, kind of in the style of Astrid Kircher, the, who was a German friend of the, of the Beatles in Hamburg, who took these really evocative pictures of them. And so, uh, Freeman did as kind of an, an imitation of, of what Astrid Kircher would do. Why she wasn't asked to do a, an album cover for them, I don't know, but, uh, now what the other interesting thing is that unlike the first album, which was done in a day, this album was done over several months. It was started, I think it was started in July and they finished recording in September. In between that, they had a seven week tour, but they started recording in July and, and did more recording in September, before, you know, and so, um, and they didn't have any songs. So they actually started recording the covers first. So they could build up a back oh, wow. backlog of songs to, to do. Okay. So really, like the first, the absolutely first song they did recording was um, the uh, song, uh, which his name is now slipped out of my mind. You, oh, you really got a hold on me. Mm-hmm. That was the first. They did really got a hold on me. They recorded money. Those are the first songs that they did. So obviously, the sequence, the way the way the tracks run on the album is a lot different than. Oh, okay. So it opens with a bang. All right. We I think we can agree on that. It won't be long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> now, ha, now, she loves you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Has come out already. Mm-hmm. So people are in the yeah, 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 yeah mindset. Yeah. So they're like, oh, I hope this is good, as good as that. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the yeah, yeah, yeahs again. So it starts off, and everyone listens I to think, the album. Is I happy. think the song is better than she loves you. I think it's a step up in terms of, of as a song. Uh, okay, that's an interesting choice. All right, uh, defend your choice in statement of what you have just. I said, just mean Joel. in terms of excitement. You know, it's, to me, it's you know. I think it's a song that people don't remember, but when well, they hear it, a, they go, "Holy cow!" It's that's a, a build good song. song. Like it start, it's it starts with a little curve. It's, little, it's the roller well, coaster is going down. It, once again, it opens with a chorus. Uh huh. It won't be long. Yeah, that's a chorus. Right. It has a very short verse. Okay. It has a very long middle eight. Right. And then it goes back into the chorus again. Right, but it doesn't come at you with a fist in the face like the like the she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one to me is just like yeah, like full on. And this one is it. We're having some fun. We're on a trampoline. We're just bouncing and having a good time. Yeah, I and enjoy it. it's. Uh, but I'm I saying it might just be that I this one I hear less than I hear she loves you and so you know things can kind of pall over time that you you get used to it so you take it you take it for granted yeah and you get a lot of emotions in this you get a lot of uh, longing you got a lot of crying uh, but you've also got a lot of hope because the person's coming back you clearly the person in this song did something wrong yeah but they're coming back mm-hmm. now the reason I'm bringing this up is there's a lot of songs in this and we'll get to this as we as we mm-hmm. progress which is uh, one person's there, another person's gone, mm-hmm. or now I'm leaving. Now well, you're leaving. Now we're again, both leaving. Still writing to an absent person because then it's a proxy for the listener. Understood. Yeah. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic as we go through the album. How this is. So this one is you're the person waiting for the person to come so back. So not, that is that is the dynamic in this one. Not only does it repeat the yeah structure of or yeah motif, I guess you could call it of of uh, she loves you, but it also takes the call and response pattern from please please me with the. It won't be long. Yeah. And then the response from the other Beatles. Yeah. So you have that element too, which I, I love because I love Please Please Me. So I like that a- aspect of the call and response. And there is a little bit. And of course, it's written by Lennon. I think you can tell from the. There's also a little bit in this where I was listening to it. And I think it could be a song for someone who uh, is also missing uh, a parent, a father, something along those lines. Most of the lyrics also work in that. Yeah. Of like, dad's left and uh, he's coming home, but yeah. I'll be good because it was probably my fault. And uh, and here we go. I don't. There wasn't. I mean, it was happened, but it wasn't as common a, an occurrence as we. No, I understand. Nowadays, so I but it could be. Hey, maybe 
daddy's at war. You don't know. There's a lot of reasons dad could leave. This is actually the first original recorded. He's got to go work at Mill, you know, and uh, maybe. Is there trouble there? There's trouble at Mill. Trouble at Mill? Yeah. There's always trouble at Mill. What sort of trouble? Uh, Mill trouble. Um, People are milling around. And there's some trouble. Second song? Second song, same as the first. They just repeated it. No, all, they didn't. All I've got to do. That's right. Once again, another Lennon song. He was on such a roll in the, at the, in the, at this time. <laughs> what I like though, sorry, that I'm just, I'm Johnny lyrics. Okay. Is like the last one is, please come home. Just come back. Yeah. Please, I'll be good. I swear I'll be good. Please come back. Mm-hmm. And this one is, hey, whenever I want you around, all I got to do is call you on the phone. You come running to me. Like, <laughs> oh, this got cocky fast, didn't it? Huh? Mr. Uh, I'll do anything. And now it's uh, that. But it flips because, you know, he'll will also come running if she mm-hmm. calls. So it's not it's not bad. So as they were writing songs for this album, they were really writing fast. So this song, there's a number of songs. This is one of one of many that were never performed live. So it was pretty much created in the studio. And they had a lot more time to create their songs. Like the first album was recorded in a day. Mm-hmm. They went in, they recorded as quickly as they could. And, you know, recorded things. And they purposefully chose things that they could record really quickly. And just did the album in one go. This album has not only is, not only was it um, recorded more slowly, but it has more edits. It has more added parts. There's more overdubs. Okay. Guitar solos are added. Piano is added. Things like that. So they could fill out the sound more. So it is a kind of. It's also sonically a step up on on Please Please Me as well. Now we're we're borrowing a little something from uh, Listen. You want to know a secret in this song? Mm-hmm. Where it's like uh, all I got to do is whisper in your ear the words you long to hear. Well, I've heard that, uh, I've heard that phrase before. Yeah. And, uh, we're using it again now. And yeah. that's fine. You're prob- stealing from yourself and that's well, dandy. And probably from someone before them. Probably as well. <laughs> we just don't know it. I, you know, they do a lot of lifting, uh, lifting from themselves. Um, I think most of us are, are not as literate in pre-Beatles, uh, pop, you know, that, so we probably will miss some of those references that they've just taken out other songs that are easy placeholder lyrics, you know, to throw in yeah. there. You know, no, absolutely, and you're and you're going to be hearing these things over and over again, and that's fine. And you know, again, you know, yeah, the little imagine thing, and they used it fine in that song, and later on we found a better use for it, and it's fine. So track number three, mm-hmm. all my loving, which I think we can tell is a Paul McCartney song, not only that he sings it, but it just has that Paul McCartney song sound with the really uh, um, wide ranging walking bass sound that he loves so much. You know, and, and used uh, a lot. Just going with this narrative that I keep going through with the album. First, first song, person's at home, mm-hmm. wanting the other person to come back. Sure. Second one, I'll come here for you. You'll mm-hmm. come here for me. We're yeah. going to do that. Yeah. This one, now the guy's leaving. He's saying, I'm taking off for a while. Yeah. Uh, but just remember, I'm not going to fool around and everything's going to be fine. But I will be back and uh, I'm going to write you every day, which is a Another second. Another letter song. Oh, oh, let me tell you. To me, this album could be called The Beatles Go Postal, because there's a lot of reference to the mail system in here. Like, if you're a postman, this is probably one of your favorite <laughs> Beatles albums, just for the references of uh, of using the mail system. So, um, I think I said earlier, this wasn't issued as a single, but it was issued as an EP. And what's unusual for this song, for like for this time, is it actually started as a, just as a lyric. And uh, Paul worked out the music later at the piano. So, you know... Uh, at that time, mostly the songs started as music, and then a bunch of junk was thrown on it yep. just to fill it in. And in this case, he actually started with, he had a lyric idea, and then he worked it out into a song. So yeah, it's uh, it's one of my favorites on the album. Now, here's one of my questions about this. When he's saying in here, I'll pretend that I'm kissing the lips I am missing. 
Does that mean to you that uh, he might be kissing someone else, but I, he's thinking of the woman he loves? Or is that saying, I'm just going to be like, just imagining yeah, kissing Yeah, I think you. that's what he means. I'm just going to imagine. I, I doubt that you would say to someone that I'm going to be kissing someone and pretending that they're, they're you. Don't worry. Well, there was a song in the it's last purely... album, which was the whole thing. I think it was Chains, uh, where the whole thing was, hey, baby, why don't you give me some freedom yeah. so that I can actually love you? Because sure. you just are holding me too tight and making me not fool around on other girls, mm-hmm. with other girls. So, I don't know. Just if you're if you're gonna give it a narrative, I think that you're gonna have trouble. But uh, and also, they, I'll pretend, what if they I, didn't rate that song. All right, I'll pretend that I'm kissing. Hey, num- number four is a different song, right? Because it's the first song written by George Harrison. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't bother me. All right, now let me continue my narrative. Okay. Now she's gone. Okay. And again, it's one of these, now she's taken off. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame her because he's been kissing the lips that he's missing. Okay. So he's back <laughs> and now she's taken off. Okay. So n- no one wow. seems to be, except for the second song, very few people are in the same room it's, at the same time. It it's a lot like, of longing songs. What it sounds like is they work two different shifts. One has graveyard and one has mornings. <laughs> That's right. So they just come home and the other one leaves. That's right. There's not a lot of, uh, we're both together now and things are great. There's yeah. a lot of, I hope you come home, I hope you leave. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So this one, Don't Bother Me. So what, what do you think of Don't Bother Me as a song? Let me see. What did I... It was... You know what? Um, as a first have, try? Do I have strong opinions about this one? I, I thought, like, it did not uh, drop the album. It yeah. did not stop no, things it's, cold. It's interesting. It, and it's different. So yeah. it gives it throws a bit of spice into I don't it. See, I don't see anyone requesting this one, yeah. uh, you know, if uh, like on the radio. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, for a first song, uh, good, good one out of the gate. I didn't know it was a George, but now that you mentioned it's a George, yeah, it feels a bit like a George. Yeah. That does make sense. Just the lyrics, like, you know, the, I think he was the sort of person who liked his privacy, didn't like, didn't enjoy the stardom that came with being the, I mean, he wanted the money and the fame, but once he had it, he didn't really enjoy it as much as he thought he probably would. And, uh, so yeah, he wrote this song actually when he was sick. He was sick in bed in a hotel in Bournemouth. So he wrote this song. And I, also, think, I think he kind of wrote it because, I think he, you know, because there was a song, I think it's called Cry for a Shadow, that he and Paul wrote together pre, pre like, uh, successful Beatles mm-hmm. back in the day when they they performed it live and things like that, but it never made it into the, onto any records. But, um, you know, I think he had that talent and I think he also had that ambition to be like them. And he was the youngest in the band, George. So he was always, you know, our kid to, to John and Paul, you know, who, you know, you, you do that good job, George. You know. <laughs> such a nice song and i'm glad that you could do that you know it's really nice that you wrote that song well this is a younger person's song you know it Mm -hmm. feels like and it's also nice like i remember like in our last uh our last podcast talking about how they it felt to me they almost took a psychological test of kids and went like what do kids feel let's write a song for every emotion they feel yeah and this one covers they were were kids still right right but this one this one to me covers uh the kid just wants to be left alone you know there's always uh there's always that and so yeah i could see I can see you're in the right mood for this song. This is a really good song for you. Yeah. 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 All right. So after this comes uh, number five, track number five. So we're kind of, I don't know if you know, when they're when they're putting the, you know, when they're, I guess it's called sequencing. I think uh, one of our listeners corrected my terminology from the last show. So when they're sequencing an album, when they're putting the, the songs in order, you know, you choose a particular, you want to have a particular rise and fall to an album, you know. So you yeah. start off with a big bang. Yeah. Have another big bang after that one. Then you slow down a little bit. Calm it down. Yeah. Then you kind of put in your filler, your songs that you're not quite as sure about, and then you finish with a bang. Yes, you do. So um, this song, I think, is kind of the filler song. Little, this feels like a top. safe song. That, like, yeah. let's just let's just keep let's it going. Just get it, let's just get a song written because we need to have a fifth track on the album. <laughs> now, and again, uh, Dave, I, I mentioned on our last show, I keep referring to our last show. Why not yeah. download it if you haven't already? Yeah, please, please me. Um, 
what to, on the last show I was going to mention lyrics that are creepy today that weren't creepy then. So calling a a, a song "Little Child." Uh, basically everything about this song is kind of creepy a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, uh, it's it's a lot of like uh, don't run and uh, don't you run and hide. Just come on, come on, come on, little child. Won't you take a dance with me? Won't you take? I'm so sad and lonely. Baby, take a chance with me. Yeah, that's a little creepy. You know, it's like you're well, running and hiding. I think you're and reading a lot it. into the. I think I'm reading exactly what it is. No, the, yeah, they were not singing it to a six year old. No, I understand, but this is the old. This is the old weird. Jerry Lee Lewis. You know, uh, young girls. Nothing wrong with young girls back then. You enjoyed a young girl, yeah. and nowadays we're not as cool with that as we used to be back in those. I days. think you're taking the wrong. You know way. what, Dave? I think every album you're going to be saying the same thing to me, which is you're too sensitive. But I'm telling you, you are. Too I think sensitive. it fits in with. Something creepy uh, nowadays was not creepy. Once then. again, this was a song that was never performed live, and they took an incredibly long time to get it right, which seems odd because it's a pretty s- simple song, you'd think. With two different voices in it. Like, they actually yeah. take a character voice in there, which is a, a kind of a weird thing to do. Yeah. You know, that, not weird as in weird as in strange, but weird as in they don't normally do that. Yeah. You know, slip into like almost, a, it almost, they almost went into a, like a musical, you know, there. Now, now here was the weird thing when I was listening to it with the I'm so sad and lonely, uh, baby, take a chance with me when they switch into that voice. Yeah. You could actually read it again, when I was listening to it as that's the kid's voice or the uh, not kid, but like the girl's voice. Just saying, listen to it that uh, way sometimes. I don't know, because baby, take a chance with me. I don't think it works. Well, that's something that a girl, uh, girl, a girl wouldn't say that to a fella back well, then. Apparently, to you, it's some guy's creeping on her, so I don't think that... Uh, okay, well, I don't think the baby take a chance with me is part of it. I think it's like, uh, I'm so sad and lonely. That sounds like almost like they're doing a girly voice there. <laughs> that seems like a weird voice for a dude to do. Yeah. You know, but uh, maybe you're doing the complaining whiny character. I don't know. It's yeah. a weird song. I'm going to go, I am going to go, it's weird. I'm going to come down on the side of weird. Uh, it is of the era. It was acceptable then. Mr. PC. You think that I'm uh, too sensitive? Yeah. And that and, is fine. And I think you read and too much dandy. into it. And also dandy. I think you read too That's much into it. That's my job on this show, Dave. I read too much into it. If <laughs> I right. didn't read into it, here's what it would be. It would be you doing a monologue. Here's the surprising thing. Track number six, the first cover. The first five songs are all original Beatles songs. Yeah. That's how strong they felt their songs were. Or that their songs were actually it's so strong that they didn't need to, you know, leave in the the mediocrity with with some covers of you know no their songs are absolutely fantastic so but we had to throw in some covers because we're not Superman we're doing two albums a year here so you're telling me while till, we're touring till there was you as a cover yeah oh that's weird okay I thought uh, I I thought it wasn't uh, just cause, again when I when I heard that there were bells on a hill and I never uh, heard them ringing for some reason I, I was thinking of the fool on the hill I went we're t- we're okay. going to the hills okay again it's England you, you talk about hills eventually. <laughs> Actually, it's from uh, The Music Man at Meredith Wilson's musical, The Music Man, is where the song comes from. Is it? But you probably wouldn't recognize it because the version that Paul is performing is a rearra- was rearranged for Peggy Lee to sing. Oh. So he, she, hers had a kind of a Latin flavor. And so he took that and, and he, he rearranged it again, but it does still have like the Spanish guitar solo by George in it. Yeah. And they played that song for a long time. They played it from 61 to 64. It was part of their live act. So it wasn't something that they... You know, even when they're playing in the cavern and stuff like that, they still sang this song. Oh, I understand. And it's they a- trotted it out as well for like they played at the Royal Command performance yeah. for the Queen Mother, and they played it when on their when they performed for it's, Sullivan. It's unfair to girls on this song. This song would melt steel. <laughs> like this song is just the kind of uh, if, again, if you if you have any type of heart and you like this band at all, yeah. this this would devastate you. This song. Um, I, I, I did have a weird thing when I was reading the, uh, the lyrics. There were birds in the sky, but I never saw them winging. 
Um, like I know that's a that's a real word. Like yeah. I looked it up and I went, yeah. that is a thing. But it's yeah. not a thing that someone their age would say. No. But it is the thing that someone writing a musical would write. Yes. Yes, so the exactly. word winging, okay, that those might have of, been a clue. Those little witticisms. I do like, just one more thing real quick on this, was uh, it almost sounds like in this, there's a guy trying to court a girl and has run out of romantic things to say and mm. is trying to think of like, I don't know, what a girl's like. And yeah. it's the old, uh, you know, there was uh, none of this until there was you. Then there was music and uh, wonderful roses, you know? <laughs> That's what you like, wonderful roses. That seems a weird thing to, to say, yeah. but in a musical, yeah, this all makes Once sense. Again. Yeah. Well, what's funny, what's interesting, well, what's kind of curious about the song is that even though they played it for so long, is that when they went to record it, it took them quite a while to do because the arrangement was, because the way it was arranged for a, a quartet, it was, it, any mistake, the slightest gaffe was totally obvious. So they really had to be careful while they were recording it to get a, a real pristine take. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, this one, this one, uh, this one will uh, turn you into butter, that one. Yep, that was uh, devastating to girls, I'm sure, at the time. And certain, and let's, certain guys. So let's end side one with a bang. So we have a cover, but it's a nice, you know, pop, peppy song. Everyone get up off your seats. Yeah, it's come time on, let's to dance. dance. To... And we're into our second postal song of the night. Mm, hey, please. Miz- wait a wait minute. Wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Just wait a minute. Just yeah. wait a minute. Will you wait a minute? Wait a minute. <laughs> so are you saying, was this song recorded by a girl group first? Yeah, this was uh, the Marvelettes. Yeah, this really feels like girls uh, singing this. Yeah. Another another uh, Motown act. And, of course, the song was also covered by a different band. You know who covered it? I mean, you must know. Uh, wait a minute. Mr. Brother, sister. Brother, band. sister? Yeah, brother, sister band in the uh, okay. early 70s. Listen, I'm going to go Carpenters? Yep. Okay. Right on. What I like most of it, more than, I do love the song, but what I really like is this song. It's a pretty simple song, you'd think, right? Yeah. It's got five, five, five writers wrote the song. Why? Why Why? is that? I don't know. What did they? One guy. At least two of them were slacking off. That's no. uh, There's no need for that. Well, Motown had Motown had an assembly line. They they had a real production line. Ah, okay. And so maybe two people started it. Right. And then it's a real Marvel comics. And then someone else. And then it was handed on to some other writers. Yeah. To 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 pep it up. They're like, okay, you got a good start here, but we need a better. This section needs to be better. So then two other writers came in and they added some ideas. uh, Did quite well. Now uh, going along with the narrative that we've been going along with uh, of. uh, uh, is uh, <laughs> she has left again? Okay. Now we're at that situation. I'm really curious how Roll Over Beethoven is going to fit into this. Well, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. But she has left again. Yes. So that's how that's how we are hey, with the couple. Wait a minute, Mister Postman. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a fantastic song. It really makes uh, makes me wish there was still going to be a postal service in Canada because <laughs> there's really no good email songs. There are no good. You do not songs. have to wait for an email. You do not have to wait for a. Text. What about that classic song? P.S. I lol you. <laughs> So okay, well done. Side one starts with well a, done. Side one starts with another bang with a, a Chuck Berry song, the first Chuck Berry song on record. Yep, and they love Chuck Berry. Now, now the last thing that we only heard... Elvis only they only performed more more Elvis songs than than. Oh, that's cool. I'm trying to say it. They only performed more songs by Elvis than they did by Chuck Berry. I think we understand what you're going for. Okay, yeah. But here's the thing. The last song we heard was, the last lyrics we heard were, you got to wait a minute, wait a minute, minute, Mr. Postman. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah. Okay. Next song we hear starts with, well, I'm going to write a little letter, going to mail it to my local (laughs) DJ. Okay. We're still on the mail theme, buddy. Yeah. You know, basically, Postman, since you're waiting a minute... Let me just put this in your sack as well. Yeah. Again, the Beatles go postal. This is this is what this album should have been called. Chuck Chuck Berry was the class, classic self mythologizer. Like his songs, you know, he basically created rock and roll by singing about rock and roll. How so? Well, this all his songs mention rock and roll in various ways, 
And that, so, you know. <laughs> it's funny you mention that just because we're recording this Christmas season. Something that always bothered me about the song Jingle Bell Rock is it's not really a rock song. It yeah. doesn't feel like a rock song. But, but it's more rocky than, it rocks more than Silver Bells does. That sounds say. fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a good way to. How about rocking around the Christmas tree? Is that rock? Yeah, I guess it is. Technically, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, one thing about this song, it, it does, uh, it's very controversial. In because, that? In that it says, uh, Roll over Beethoven. Yep. Oh, but it's so controversial. The sirens. Yeah. Have started here. I'm gonna. Started. I'm gonna have to wait till the fuzz go by. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. Okay, here we go. Roll over Beethoven and tell Tchaikovsky the news. This is uh, postulating that uh, Beethoven and Tchaikovsky were lovers. It is, and that they lived in the same time frame, which they didn't. Right. Beethoven would have been dead long before Tchaikovsky was writing. So one of them is a necrophilia. One of them, probably Tchaikovsky, since he was There's later. a lot of controversial There's things in that. There's a lot of that. controversial. And the other problem was is that uh, Beethoven just never listened to him. They're always fighting about that. <laughs> now, here's my other question. Uh, the, you got the rock and pneumonia. Uh, later on, did another... you have the boogie-woogie flu? That's what I'm wondering. It's like, did anyone go like, uh, <laughs> yeah. give uh, Chuck a couple of bucks for the old rock and pneumonia? <laughs> yeah. Uh, people very scared of pneumonia back in that day, and this helped uh, make pneumonia seem less less frightening. So this was this song was sung by George. This mm-hmm. is a George sung song. This is a blow the Although roof off the joint. John sang almost all the other Chuck Berry Chuck Chuck Berry Chuck Berry songs, mm-hmm. except for Little Queenie, which was a Paul McCartney one. Yeah, this one this one is a great start to a set. You know, it's, yeah. it's just wow. Not only that, in. but yeah, it's also kind of it's a song to the teenagers. Yeah, you know, we're not. We're not fusty, musty par- things that your parents like, although we're just singing some old musical song. And there might be a chat chat coming that. up real soon. Don't we'll worry see. about that. We're yeah. going to, you know, we're going to, we're here for rock and roll. And the curious thing about this song is if you listen to the Chuck Berry one, it's a really quite a different song than the way the Beatles did it. The How Beatles, so? well, they actually take later Chuck Berry, that later Chuck Berry sound and kind of morph it onto the, onto the, his earlier sound when he did roll over. Uh, whatever the song's called, Rollover Beethoven. Mm-hmm. And so, and then they, they slowed it down and then they also lowered the key. So they kind of rearranged it for themselves the way they wanted to hear it, but also because they were used to hearing his later stuff. Yeah. And so they wanted it to sound more like that than less like. They made it more buried harder, than buried it. Yeah. They kind of left the kind of R&B and kind of more to Boogie Woogie, which is kind of later. Cool. Now, uh, any song. idea how Chuck Berry liked this song, this version? Uh, he probably liked it quite a bit because he put a lot of money into his pockets. I understand there's that. Okay. I don't think he cared. All right. Now, we now at this point, we started the second second uh, mm-hmm. side of the album. Yep. Everyone's dancing. We're all sweaty. Mm-hmm. We need to calm down. We need to calm no, we down. Don't. No, we don't. And so we have Hold Me Tight. That's a fast song. Oh, I don't know. Do, this do, one to do, 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 feel so right now. That's a that's got some pep know. to it. Yeah, I don't that's know. This one, song. this one felt like it uh, this, was a little bit of a uh, come song, down from the last. one They actually for me. tried to record this song for "Please Please Me," and they wasted a lot of time. They recorded it. They did thirteen different takes of this song and could not get it to work. They just couldn't. Get, even though they performed it live many, many, many times, it was in their you know in the repertoire from '61 on. Mm-hmm. They could not get it right for that album, so they shelved it. And because they needed material, they brought it back out again for with the Beatles, and they took them a further nine takes to get it. I, to get can, it to see, work. I can see that it's a little bit. It's a little bit complicated. It is a bit tricky. Like it's it's not as it does it does a little uh, some of their tricks. We we have we don't have the woo, but we have the woo. Like we yeah. we take it and we extend. Well, they like the false. They really like the falsetto. Right. Which and was not an unpopular No, I understood. It makes the bands. girls scream. You have those guys doing woo. That yeah. is trigger for everyone in your audience now goes sure. nuts. Yeah. So well, I mean, understood. they weren't that, they weren't that far removed from doo-wop. 
And there yeah. was groups like uh, the Four Seasons, you know, the Frankie Valley doing a very falsetto, you know, big girls don't cry and stuff like that. Yeah. But that in that case, it was like a falsetto that was part of the vocal sound, whereas the Beatles tend to do this weird isolated falsetto that kind of pops out of nowhere in this weird way. It just kind of added to the weirdness of it. No, it makes like, Did you notice sense. the song starts with the middle eight? Feel so right. So if you listen to the song, later on they do the middle eight. That's the last part of the middle eight is feel so right, now hold. Me tight goes into the chorus oh, after okay, that. Okay, all right. Yeah. Nice. No, it's a good it's a good song, but it's a it's it's a little you know, it we're taking it down a notch from that last song, which where else can you go? Can you go up from that song? No, you can't. So you're gonna take it to this. And now uh let's really slow it down, everybody. So now we're gonna slow it down. Settle this down. This is the actual slow this Everyone is the actual just slow settle down. This is this is a really complicated song. The, it was obviously chosen, Why don't we say what the name of the song is? You Really Got a Hold on Me, which is a Smokey Robinson and the Miracles song. It's mm-hmm. a Motown song. And John loved it. He loved Smokey Robinson. And so you hear him, you hear Smokey Robinson on a lot of the songs that John was, was writing at this time. Mm-hmm. And this song, it's so, it's super complicated. It's six, eight time. And so, you know, it has a weird time signature. And then, uh, it's, has, it's very, it has very complicated, you know, singing part two and stuff like that. But because they'd done it live for quite a while, that they were able to to really pull it off. I, I love this version of of "You Really Got a Hold on Me." Just on the lyric side of and things, and George Martin plays piano. On, on the lyric side of things, I can see why John would like it because as a young person, this is how you sort of see relationships. You know, whereas uh, you don't want to be in love with someone, but you are in love with someone. The mm-hmm. healthy relationship is the unhealthy relationship. And this is a real, like, if you want a good unhealthy relationship song, this is one of them. This, uh, these people should not be in a relationship together at all. <laughs> you know? Never. No, I don't want you, but I need you. Don't want to kiss you, but I need to. Oh, boy. This is going terrible. And uh, hopefully, hopefully they broke up. <laughs> good song. But I, uh, one- I fear for the couple involved. It's a wonderful song, and he just says it really well. It really shows off John Lennon's fantastic rock right. and roll voice. So the next song is, I, I would call the song a bit of a throwaway, and it's such a throwaway that it's sung by Ringo Starr, which is uh, track number four on side two, I Want to Be Your Man. Mm-hmm. This actually feels like what Boys was on the last mm-hmm. one yeah. to me. Just a throwaway. Did it really quick. I mean, Boys, they did not one take on the first album. I think they had to work on this one a bit longer. What's interesting about this song is that it was actually written by John and Paul for the Rolling Stones. Oh, Apparently, I can totally see that. They I were, can see that as a Stones They song. were asked uh, by Andrew Lou Goldham, who had worked with Brian Epstein at M- at NEMS before he left to start his own to do his own managing, and he started managing the Rolling Stones. He was asked by, or he asked Paul and John to come by and maybe contribute a song to the Rolling Stones. So they dropped by, and they had a bit of this song worked out, and they played it for them. And Mick and Keith said, yeah, it sounds pretty good. And so then Paul and John went into another room, finished the song, brought it back out. And John Lennon later said, you know, of course, it wasn't that great a song. We were going to give them something really good, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, they, but they thought it's pretty good and we could do something with it. So they took it. They turned it in more like a blues song with a kind of slide guitar. Brian Jones plays the slide guitar in it. And uh, so, yeah, they just they just kind of knocked it off. And they knocked it off very quickly. In this, and yeah. Once again, George Martin plays on. He plays Hammond Organ, which I always think is interesting that George plays in these songs because here's the guy who was classically trained. I believe he was trained as an oboist. He played the oboe. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he, you know, started working in, in the recording end of things. His first album was Meet the Oboes. Meet the Oboes, that's right. <laughs> and so, oboe la di, oboe la da. I think that's what it was called, actually. <laughs> so, I was terrible. You took a drink. To oh, you taught that. me. I'm not doing a spit take. <laughs> okay. We have expensive equipment around here. <laughs> and so then... Um, 
So, you know, just for someone who came out of that background, you know, he, he was kind of like an East End boy. But in order to succeed in England at that time, you had to sound like you were, you were, you know, came out of a particular sort of education. Right. Class so system. So he had to, yep. he had to train, he had to change his voice, he had to change his accent so that he had a clipped, you know, BBC British accent right. so that he could succeed, you know. And so even though he came out of a sort of rough background, he, he came out of, you know, he's, classically trained he's a classically trained piano or not piano player oboist you know and so it's funny that he's able to take this training and turn it into and play rock and roll songs where he's banging away in the piano to to so many songs not just these but so many of the 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 rock and roll rockabilly songs george is in there just banging away on the old keys you know and does a passable job as well it's not terrible right i mean you know it's, it's pretty good i i I admire him a lot. And this is the second. So yeah, the Rolling Stones released it as their second sing- oh, okay. single. Oh, Which which version do you prefer of the two? Um, I prefer neither. I don't really like the song that much. Very I good. think uh, it's the song that uh, you d- daydream during. I think uh, this this one after the other one is like two uh, unhealthy relationships in a <laughs> Devil in our heart. No, no. I want to be your man. Oh, and, oh. Uh, and uh, you really got a hold really of me. me. Okay. Yeah, this one this one really goes from you know the last one is I don't want to be in this, but mm-hmm. I gotta be. And this one is, you don't care about me at all. I need you to care about me. And not only does it, in a very short period of time, it goes from, you know, every time I see you walking by, I can't breathe. I want you to notice me. And we are like less than 10 lyrics away from, we need, you're going to be wearing my wedding ring. Like, wow, that was, uh, that's quick work. That's quick work. I want to be your man. It's funny how you make a narrative songs that were all recorded like way before they got to the Beatles songs. Yeah. You know, those are... Most of the songs were recorded in July. Yeah. And then the other, the actual Beatles songs were recorded in September. Right. So it's just kind of funny how you... Uh, well, here's the thing. You take the word punch, and then you take the word horse. Yeah. Now I'm picturing someone punching a horse. Why? Because you put the two together. Yeah. So you put things well, side you, you by side. That, so you're already picturing... No, uh, the album actually put those side <laughs> by side. So that's uh, that's how that's going. So the next song is uh, Devil in Her Heart, which, once again, a girl group song... And shows absolutely, yeah. Just and it's such an obscure song. It's by a group called the Donnays, who I don't think many people know about. Well, could I just say when you're going with the idea of uh, that it's a girl group song? Yeah, I think that's something the Beatles really did well was they mixed the feminine and the masculine together. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, they, that vulnerability. Yeah, and then the masculinity, and that really, in I think in John Lennon more than anyone, you see that that contradiction, that conflict in him. You know, where he was this absolute brute like just a beast to people could be so violent and caustic and and hateful at the same time you but know, he had glasses and looked vulnerable he, and he looked he had, like that guy he, yeah but he had also this other side to himself this sort of you know person who wanted or i guess he recognized those those parts of himself those kind of bad parts of himself and you know and tried to you know you know, had the enough intelligence to see the dangers of it and, you know, tried to be this empathic person as well. But it's very hard, you know. I mean, you got Paul, Paul looks uh, as a very feminine look and then you got like the, the little bit of a long hair on the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see how you almost get with, uh, for uh, the girls, you almost get a girlfriend and boyfriend in one with these with these uh, blokes. You get, uh, they can be everything. They can be a little bit more. And they're probably dealing with boys that are just boy boys like around her, just rough and tumble, don't want to look like yeah. a sissy. And the Beatles didn't seem to mind singing, again, on the last album, boys. Like, they would sing a song. Yeah. They'd sing girl group songs. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, they seem they did, so confident. 
they did change they did change the the uh yes. the gender in this song it's not his heart it's her heart yeah that's so. fair but yeah. in the last one they didn't yeah so it's like yeah, yeah we don't care We're well it's just a drummer sing. it was a drummer number so it didn't yeah, matter it doesn't but it doesn't Ringo matter but it also you know show it's something again you would not have a lot of today without yeah. it being a big deal mm-hmm. you know but there it's like you want to do a girl group song and then it's covered by a boy group later yeah. that's a bit weird but no it's fine and by good a boy on group them. who also do twist and show who do roll over beethoven who yep. do you know memphis tennessee do you know do hey, whatever they knew a song yeah. a good song was a good song and yeah. we're not going to let that stand in our way it's sure. weird when you're talking about george harrison being held back by the class system something that nowadays would not be a be an issue and yet uh nowadays they would kind of be held back by george martin george sorry george martin. martin uh they'd be held back uh by sexual kind of roles yeah. in society whereas uh back then yeah let's just go for it and good on them but yeah devil in her heart yep it's uh it's, it's one it's of fun. those yeah it's a fun song. is this a cha-cha it's a george song i does have a bit of a it has a latin uh da, 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 i think it's da, more da, 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 da. you can see mom and dad dance into this one you can see them uh, hand on the waist uh, with the old Arthur Murray dance, Murray uh, dance school, you can see the steps on the ground for this one. And you, I think it's more like a samba or like all right. like a Give bossa a nova. It has a bit of that Brazilian. Sure. Sound to it. Give you but that. Yeah. Yeah. So then we come to the well. This also so I like that song. Sorry. Oh, because it's got a lot. Of, it's got a little back and forth in there, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, she's got the devil in her heart. No, no, this I can't believe. So there's having a yeah. little debate yeah. there. Yeah. She's like, no, no, no. Yeah. It's Someone's fine. giving him good advice, saying, "Listen, she's bad <laughs> news, buddy." Which con- which uh, which counters later songs where someone's going, uh, you know, she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not uh, go for it? Mm-hmm. This one is like, hey. I've listened to you with all these bad relationships. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna step into the song and tell you, you should not go out with this girl. Of I like, they're not I like listening. the unconscious narrative that they created because that can happen. Obviously, art, art can come out of, out of accident. People, the, people take the poems totally and they believed. read into yeah. poems things mm-hmm. that probably weren't there originally. No, no. All right. So the second to last song was also yeah. the second to last song they recorded uh, for this album, not a second time. Right. Which, which is actually also the third solo Lennon song on the album. Which is interesting is they started to break away from each other as songwriters. Oh, okay. You know, and so in Lennon was it's such a white hot period of creativity. I mean, he almost fills Hard Day's Night by himself, and we started to see that taking place here on their second album. So once again, influenced by Smokey Robinson, The Miracles has oh. a lot of their sound to it, and it features our friend George Martin on piano helping out as usual. But it has that weird little solo to it. You know, it almost sounds like a a song you'd hear like on an easy listening station or whatever that I, I boom, got boom, here boom, boom, very boom. lounge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could yeah. You, you step into an elevator and you can sort of hear a little of this go on. So would... and that, there's an instance of, of overdubbing where they left a blank spot in the song, not sure what to put there. And so then George did this little solo and he's, what do you think of that? And they went, Oh, that that sounds good. Let's put that in. Yeah, that sounds good. Oh, interesting. So they probably they might have tried a guitar solo in there and they thought it was too jarring. It didn't quite work smoothly enough. So then he suggested this very treated piano, and you, you get that. Uh, no, it works. It works. What's interesting? Now, oh, sorry. If you want no. to say something, I will say something interesting after you about this song. <laughs> okay. You'll probably say something more interesting. Oh, well, let's see. But I'm going to go along with my narrative here. Sure. Uh, in that uh, we've had a lot of bad... We started off with people uh, distanced from each other. Yeah. That was their theme in the first half. Yeah. This one seems to be unhealthy relationships. There's okay. no one in a healthy relationship. Okay. And the last... The the one right before this, Devil in Her Heart, they're saying to him, you know, you shouldn't be in this one. But he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to. I think it's all right. And this is the first song that has good judgment, which is like, this is not working out. I don't think I'm going to continue this relationship. Okay. You know, I'm we're not yeah. getting a second chance. Okay. No, this is a bad idea. I'm uh, I'm out. And uh, I and sense it moving to a rousing finale. <laughs> Possibly. 
But uh, yeah, it just seems like, nope, not a second time, not going to do it. So the narrative for the relationships, because uh, the last song is not really about a relationship. Well, it is a little bit. But like the 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 narrative for the relationships is, uh, no, I'm done. I'm done. Didn't work out. I was hurt, and uh, now uh, now I'm saying no. Where I'm not I'm not trying for love again. Nope, not with this person. Done. Huh. The other, well, I'll just say an interesting thing. This song was one of the first songs that attracted the attention of serious music critics of the time, as they started to look because the Beatles were a big success, and right. so they started listening to them as a as as musicologists, not as just not as people interested in the sociology of it, as interested in the the psychology of this Beatlemania and stuff like that. These guys were just like, okay, let's peel away that and let's just listen to it as music. And so this is a famous quote. It's kind of, and you can just you can just Google if you want Aeolian cadences. In, in, you know, in Google and you'll end up with a, with a lot of articles to read about. Cause there was a Times music critic named William Mann and he wrote this article and he commented on the Aeolian cadences of Not a Second Time and compared his ending to the final movement of this, of a Mahler work, uh, which is a Das Lied von der Erde, which means the, uh, song of the world, I guess, song of the earth. All right. And, uh, I have no idea what an Aeolian cadence is. <laughs> okay. And if you read stuff on the I'm just online, thinking Aeoli as a garlic mayonnaise. Uh, no, it's not spelled like that. A-E-O-L-I-A-N. All right. And um, so what it is, is when a major key, when a major key song resolves on the sixth chord, which is the tonic chord. The tonic chord is the first scale degree of a diatonic scale and the tonal center or final resolution tone. If you understand what I'm saying, I don't either. So it's a triad formed on the tonic note, the tonic chord. So it's the most significant chord on the, in the relative, of the relative minor key. Okay. So the term derives from the fact that the most, sorry, the term derives from the fact that the alien mode is rooted on the sixth step of the major scale. Lennon commented on it years later. He said, to this day, I have no idea what they are. They sound like exotic birds. But yeah, that's like, there's a, there's a book. Uh, I can't remember the author's Sometimes name. Sometimes you know what you're doing without knowing what you're doing. There's a book. Uh, it's called Twilight of the Gods. It was written by this very serious musicologist and it's practically unreadable. It's so full of, Stuff like that, that you just have no, unless you're a musicologist, you have no idea what they're talking about. Pentatonic scale and diatonics and all this stuff. You're just like, I give up. I quit. I'm going home now. Now, I, I got a quick question for you, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're still continuing with that no. point. All right. No. Um, about this time, was this when, uh, like, I, I, I noticed in like old sitcoms and old movies mm-hmm. that there was a trend of making fun of the Beatles as not being quite, bad music. Like I said, there's there a James yet. Bond movie, and I forget what yeah. it was, but James Bond is talking about how horrible, yeah, I mm-hmm. listened to the Beatles, you know, with wearing earmuffs or something yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. So was it, was it, uh, the trend of the time for the hip people to not like this common rock and roll? Uh, this band that is oh, so popular with the youth. Like, if you're an adult, you would not yeah. care for this. You still would have been listening to your trad jazz or whatever, you know. So, and this is pasha pasha. Yeah, yeah. Unless, you know, unless you were very hip. And, but I mean, the Beatles would have been put down by like blues aficionados would not have liked them. Like a Sinatra would probably not like the. Uh, people would yeah, like I don't think he would have liked them. Although he did cover something later on. Later, so, yes. Yeah. But uh, they were unignorable. But the the kind of person who would be listening to you know uh, you know Sinatra that kind of thing mm-hmm. they would not they would think this was ugh. Well, I mean, or the, would it cross over? The to Beatles the point? created the Beatles committed the greatest sin, which has become very popular. Mm-hmm. So once once you do that, once you step over that threshold, you immediately become the target. You're no longer people's secret love. You become everyone's love, and that makes you a target. Well, right? especially when you're loved by young people first. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's loved by young people first that isn't called stupid. Well, it's not not just that. I mean, you know, like music that is different is hard to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's and jarring. it's not. It's not just. You know, like, you know, for me, 
there's some music, modern music now that I, I can't listen to. I, I can't enjoy it. it doesn't mm-hmm. sound, there's nothing enjoyable in the sound to me. Well, you haven't built up a palette for it. Yeah. I'm not a young person who finds it doesn't speak to me as a young person. You know, it just, it alienates me as an old person. Quite often, though, when you're a young person, you don't, you don't have the money to, uh, <laughs> to be choosy. Yeah. So you listen to your friends' records or you, or you listen to what you can. When we sure. were kids, you listen to the radio. Sure. So you listen to what you listen to and you mm-hmm. build a taste up for that. There's yeah. the old thing. Um, Sorry, I know we got one more song to get yep. to, but there's the old thing about uh, there's a book called um, French Children Will Eat uh, Ch- Will Eat Anything, yeah. And and the idea behind that is uh, French kids uh, are forced to try foods. You can yeah. not eat something, but you must always try it, yeah. Because it takes at least nine or ten times before your palate can accept a new taste. Mm. And I think with music, we do not do that. You know, you will not listen to well, a type of music you don't not like nowadays, especially not nowadays. Yeah, it's like people who dislike hip hop, and it's like, well, you listen to what one, two, three things. You got to take a while to like anything, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I suppose the same was true back then. Yeah, I just this is totally off the topic, but it just kind of reminds well, me. We're running to the end, so we can get a little we, off topic before we have the one. I was last reading song. an interview one time with Richard Sala, the cartoonist, and he was talking about his dad taking him and his friends to see Yellow Submarine. And about half an hour into the movie, his dad got up and said, "I got to go," and he just went and sat in the lobby because the colors were just so. Much it was too much for his mind yeah. just to be staring at all the sensory overload. Yeah, absolutely. And he was just getting feeling sick, so he just went outside and sat. And I think, and I think music can have the same effect. You know, my mama always objected to the sound of drums in the songs I listened to in the eighties. And nowadays, when I hear songs from the eighties, I object to the drum sound. Mm-hmm. But I can, you know, but to her, it was just a weird sound, and it just it didn't, wasn't pleasant to her. Whereas right. to me, it spoke to me in some way that you know i like the way that there sounded. are certain things music does for you and if it, mm-hmm. if uh, the new if the new music that you hear is not filling those holes uh, uh then it uh it, it it is very uncomfortable yeah. so let's let's turn to the rousing finale today all right so we got to end this an album the, what are we going to do this was with the beatles Tristan showed basically was, yeah. was once again take a motown song and Make it theirs. I could see this is a song you could end a concert with very easily. Yeah. This is, again, blow the roof off the place song. And we're talking about money. What? Okay. Yeah, money. I'll say this real quick. Uh, I, I always thought like uh, at the end of the song, um, All You Need Is Love, where it ends with a little clip of She Loves You, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. To me, this would have been the song. I know it's not one that they wrote. Yeah. So it's like, but uh, but that it's the anti All You Need Is Love. Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't. They weren't against money. I mean, they they wanted money. They wanted. Oh, I get they it. Wanted but fame. those two songs, those like yeah. the Beatles, are so known for "All You Need Is Love." Yeah. So when you hear this song, it's like, well, this is so the complete yeah. polar opposite. It would have been nice to have a little taste of that at the end. I'm telling them how to write their own damn songs. Yeah. But nope, they are a band that can contain well, both. All, all the so- all the music and well, I guess we'll get to that eventually. But all the music and uh, "All You Need Is Love" was supposed to be uh, out of. Uh, it was supposed to be public domain. That's what it was. That's why oh, those songs that right? were chosen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. But okay. unfortunately, in the mood wasn't public domain, so it cost them some money. But uh, now, now one thing with this uh, with this song, I'm just going to go with my complete narrative of things. Sure, sure. Starts off, everyone's separate. Uh, you're over there, I'm over here. Uh, then we're getting into unhealthy. Then we're getting into a little bit of good advice. Then we're into I'm taking that advice, and the final song is basically the heck with it. Yeah, I'm done. I don't need love. You know what I need? I just need money. I'm yeah. now I'm cynical, and this is all I want. You know, money's uh, love is great, but that's for chumps. I need this stuff, and it's sure. uh, an interesting. If you look at the whole arc, like basically, if you took this album and made it into a movie, the it would end with the person just like, "Ah, on love, forget it." Yeah. Well, I I enjoy your narrative. I I I just enjoy it. It's obviously accidental because you know <laughs> I don't think they plan that carefully. You know, they just 
put the song at the end because it I was think there's the, certain things like it was the twist and shout. I, I'm going to say I think there's things like if you if you're ending with like uh, you know wait a minute Mr. Postman and the next song you've got is uh, I'm going to write a letter. I think probably if you're putting your album together you might click those two together it's okay. a smooth transition yeah. well, um, it's smooth and it's not smooth i mean when is the side end you have to go and turn the record over and you've you've done it or but you put still, it away you're still playing that song in your head or you put it you away stu- it's still yeah. going through like an earworm before you put this on and now it's like oh uh, what's this new song oh, i'm still in the post i like it <laughs> and uh you know i can maybe uh, maybe i am just all making up stuff that could very well be yeah but uh you know i call the narratives where i see him buddy that's what i'm doing well this song was co-written by barry gordy who was the founder of motown so who he was a songwriter and then he realized oh the money's in actually owning the songs owning the, the records and so he started motown but um if for one thing okay it was originally recorded by barrett strong mm-hmm. the beatles version kicks the shit out of barrett strong like he is a pulverized pulp after because their version is so much better but one interesting thing is if you listen to the deca audition version it sounds like it almost has like a surf guitar sound to it like it's really different than, oh, okay. than the, the like either they or martin rearranged it and changed it completely because it's way more powerful the way do it the way they do it one thing it has George Martin pounding away on the piano. So that adds kind of wall, a bit of a wall of sound to it. All right. But even just in the way that they approach the vocals, like the very timid vocals of Decca versus the very confident vocals of With the Beatles, mm-hmm. it's just, there's just way more like this kind of big, big wall of sound that just kind of wallops you with, you know, money, you know. And it's, it's great. Yeah. It's a great no, song. I agree. It is, a, it is a really good song. And it has a fun coda. And the, uh, again, we talked in the last album about with a taste of honey. How so many bands at the time were singing about candy. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, like, what do kids like besides candy and love? Ah, kids like money. So this all makes well, sense. It's not that they like money. What kids like is freedom. So the idea is that, and Lennon says in the coda of the song, he, he says, I want to be free. And what he's saying is, getting money will give me the means yeah. to be free of That's true. the constraints that I'm under, whether it's living at home with my parents or whatever, you know. So and you also want a teenager's dream. You of. also want a to heck with love song. You want one of those mm-hmm. that's just like, I don't need that. Because, yeah. you know, you yeah. kids have been hurt and, uh, you know, you want to cover all the bases. It's and this fun, covers a base yeah. well. It's a fun bit and of And it's nihilism. a silly fun song, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just a goofball song mm-hmm. sure. as well. Just like, give me money. Just to get, I just want cash. Yeah. Give me some, give me some yeah. money. And sure. uh, I can see, you know, I can see, again, them ending a concert with that and everyone just having a great time and i think it's the end of a great album like this one this one is a is a really good second album oh yeah it's a, definitely a step up there's no sophomore slump for the beatles they, no they they can they went on a rise and they continue to rise for quite a while mm-hmm. and where they where they start to drop is up to people is a more subjective thing but mm, but uh, i'm curious <laughs> i'm gonna keep tuning in week after week to this week after uh, week to this show completely beatles yeah well it's, uh, it's bi-weekly so i should not turn yeah, in every week or you'll be hearing the week. same episode yeah, twice uh, twice why not yeah. listen to it twice though maybe yeah. you'll hear subtle uh, uh the narratives yeah, you know difference. you'll hear things and read things into it like do i it do <laughs> So, you don't want to do that, people. So that uh, that brings us to the end of the next album. Our next album coming up is our next album. Well, first a single. Mm-hmm. I want to hold your hand. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, I want to hold your hand. Right. Which was like that was the dam bursting, the first big American single that broke the Beatles in America, and also Hard Day's Night. So already we're three albums in, a year and a bit in, and they're already making a movie. <laughs> seems so seems so whirlwind, doesn't it? It does. When you, when you do but you but you know what? When you're uh, that young, probably time did not seem that oh, fast. Oh yeah. When, for them, I mean, they were so busy. They were there was not a day where they weren't 
touring, recording, doing something. Right. So the al- the next album, though. The next album is A Hard Day's Night. The next album is A Hard Day's Night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, give a listen. And we're going to be joined by a guest for that. Uh, oh, I was not aware of this. Yes. We all right. Well, I guess I did not have to approve that guest. And it's interesting <laughs> finding out how that's all working out. So Dave and I have something to discuss. It's not a, not a democracy here. Isn't it? No. Oh, yeah. all right. Well, this, this took a turn. All right. Uh, why don't you tune in next time to see how this drama is going to play out? <laughs> this totalitarian yeah, that's one right. person. Uh, thank you for listening to the uh, the coup. It's <laughs> interesting. Uh, if you want, oh, beautiful. Well done. Uh, if you want to listen to more of our uh, this nonsense that we're doing at the very end of the show, uh, we again we have a show called uh, Sneaky, Sneaky Dragon. Sneaky Dragon. Oh, I forgot the name of our show. <laughs> I never listened to it. I am not a fan. Uh, and that is also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the places that you would probably download this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to go to our webpage, that is sneakydragon.com. We also put up things for Completely Beatles on there. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, and we would like it. We would love it if you liked us, and we would like it if you loved us. What? I don't know what I'm saying. That's very, very good. Yeah. Tap on some of that. We do not sure. have a Twitter, but maybe one day we will. Yeah. Maybe we'll have an Instagram. We'll do all those things that the kids do now. We yeah. we don't know. We're uh, we're older gentlemen. Yeah. With, with not that much time on our hands. No. <laughs> We've got to go take out our teeth and put them in a glass and uh, get to bed. All right, everyone. Next week, or sorry, in two weeks, the British invasion. All right. Thank you for listening. This has been Completely Beatles. I've been Ian Boothby. I've been David Dedder. All right. You take care of yourselves. Do, 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 do.